Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone. Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business. Another week and another fantastic interview for you today. So I'm delighted to have on the show today uh, an amazing entrepreneur, actually, and I'm just super inspired by the conversation that we had. The person's name is Jeff Lopes. Now, Jeff Lopes is based in Canada. He's been an entrepreneur all his life. He's built some amazing businesses. Uh, one of those from the ground up is a brand called Camuraware, which is a globally recognized brand that provides athletic gear and a range of sporting products, as well as for children and adults, and has sold more than a quarter of a million pairs of boxing gloves in something like 1,800 locations across North America. He's done heaps of things around that. He's also got an amazing podcast, and it's called Jeff Knows Inc., where he talks a lot, not just about you know the success and the challenges, the opportunities that entrepreneurship presents in itself, but also how do you really survive during difficult times? How do you build amazing brands? How important is mindset, staying healthy? But what I really love about the conversation is that Jeff aims to teach entrepreneurs about family life, work-life balance, if you want to call it that, so that they can get both financial freedom and happiness. Something that I know personally can be really hard for particularly entrepreneurs in the beginning of their journey to really understand how they can get both those things. But I can tell you from personal experience that if you don't do that, then you know it comes back to bite you. So the conversation you're about to hear is really one about values, I think. And you know, like with most of my interviews, I don't really pre-script it. I have an idea about what I want to talk about when I have guests come on Scale Up Your Business. But I really like to let the conversation go where it goes. And where we go today, Jeff and I, we, we talk about family. We talk about the importance of family and his story, the journey that he's you know been on. And the one thing I want you to take away from this episode, you know, not to not to say that, you know, what Jeff has done in the entrepreneurial business world is not outstanding. It's just how he's shown up for his his family, for his wife, for his children, the example that he's set. And if anything, let that be an inspiration to you as well in terms of how you can show up at home, particularly if you're in that stage of building your business and wanting to get everything else in balance as well. So that's today's episode, a little bit of a different tone. We are going to get right into it, and I think you'll get a lot out of it, particularly if you are, as I said, an entrepreneur who has a family and is trying to balance everything out. So there we have it. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business, entrepreneur Jeff Lopes. Hi, everyone. Nick here. Welcome to another episode of Scale Up Your Business. So, fun one today. I have got an amazing fellow entrepreneur on the show, and we're going to riff back and forwards all things entrepreneurship, the stuff that's kind of hitting us right now as we go through so much change in the world, the things that you should be focusing on, but we're just going to have a good natter, a really really good bit of fun in our conversation. So, welcome to Scale Up Your Business, Jeff Lopez. 
Thank you for having me, brother. I'm going to learn a little words from you, Netter. I'm going to learn some uh, some uh, little key words there. This is going to be a fun conversation. You, you've got, we've got a kind of you know global thing going on here. So I, I grew up in a, in a place called Adelaide, South Australia. And then I moved to the US for a while. And now I'm residing in a little village north of London. How long did you live in the US for? I was there for about nine months in New York when I was working for a big private equity scale-up job. So yeah, it was good. Very, it was a while ago fun. now. We're talking probably a decade ago, but it was good. And where yeah, in the world yeah. are you, Jeff? Uh, Toronto, Canada. Fantastic. See, global, global conversation. We're going to have so many kind of different um, terminologies. <laughs> We're going to have to describe it for our listeners across the across lots of ponds. <laughs> I love it. So let me just kind of um, a bit of context. So I, I love the fact, you know, when people come on the show, they normally have all these, these quite sort of long, illustrious authority statements about what they've done and how great they are. But your one is awesome, right? Because, because like you know, your intro is proud father of two and a family man. Yeah, I love I mean, that. That's my purpose, right? That's my uh, that's my go to, right? I've I've learned to. We'll get into that after, but uh, I I focus my schedule and I build my schedule around my children's schedule. And my kids both have active, crazy schedules. My daughter does high performance dance. My son does traveling baseball. They're both workout fanatics. So my schedule every month when I look at my schedule, which is a crazy and busy schedule, I've put their, their priorities in first and then I build my schedule around them. And I've actually scaled and learned how to do something, which I call it the three to seven. For the last almost 12 years, Nick, I've never missed dinner at home. Oh man, See, I love home every like day that. from three till seven o'clock. It's family time, whether it's a recitals, events, sporting events dinner but three to seven is family time 245 at checkout and I'm, I'm i'm in my car no matter what happens i'm done and i'm done for the day and then after seven i'll go back home office i'll answer emails i'll do what i have to do make some phone calls like last night i was on for phone calls for a couple hours networking but it's it's three to seven is family time and i and i block everything off from that time yeah i love that standard i have to do the opposite of it because of time zones so yeah. so i do i do more of a morning you know i always take the girls to school um, and yeah, spend I take time my kids to school every day too. Today is the first time in in a while because our our podcast. But I usually uh, I drive them both to still to school yeah. and stuff. You have to appreciate that stuff. I always I, I put a little um I put a little post a couple of weeks back, and there's a stat, and I'm not sure if a lot of people are aware of this, but 80 percent of the FaceTime we spend with our children is before the age of 18. If parents actually realize that, I think a lot of more parents would spend a lot more time with their children because once yeah. they turn 18, they're friends, they, be, they, they go to college, they, they, life changes and you got to appreciate and, 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 and take comfort in that time you have with them and enjoy it, right? How old are your children? Uh, 14 and 12. Yeah, so mine are six and nine. In fact, my my daughter had her ninth birthday yesterday and we were Happy looking birthday. at Yeah, it was cool actually. Um, and she was at school, but we made it as memorable as we possibly could with lots of things going on, favorite dinner yeah. and cakes and whatever. But what was yeah. um what was really interesting about it is the night before, so literally her last night of being eight, she came down and I was working. It was about 10 o'clock at night and I was just kind of going backwards and forwards doing some planning and she came down, she couldn't sleep. So um, I went to the kitchen and I warmed up some hot milk and I was having something similar, like this kind of chai latte thing I had before I go to bed. And she sat down next to me and I was just doing some emails and she was just chatting away. And I was kind of cool with it. I'm thinking she's got school, but you know, it's the last night of being yeah, eight. Of course. And the conversation, Jeff, was weird, right? Weird, but good. She goes, dad, you know, I'm really proud of the decision you made to kind of, you know, do your own business. And I'm like, how do you know about, we don't talk about that a lot. I mean, she knows about podcasts and things. And she goes, no, no, yeah. I'm really, I'm really proud that you did that, Dad. Thank you. 
I love that. I know. And I, I, I and that. it kind of hit me and I was but, like, there's a bit of a tear here going, you know, wow. You but know. it's being present. You're, you're obviously leading by example. And that's one thing I strongly recommend. And it's something I strongly do on a regular basis. Lead by example. I, I, I'm actually the one that tells my children what I'm doing because I want them to see. So if I have a goal to achieve or something to, I want to accomplish, I'll say, Hey guys, I'm going to, I'm going to get my podcast. I'm going to start in May. And before the end of the year, I want to hit, I said a hundred thousand downloads. I didn't think I were going to get a quarter million dollars. <laughs> I say I'm going to hand her and everybody, and they look at me like, boom. And then when I do it, I say, hey, look what dad accomplished. Cause I want them to understand from a young age, if you work your rear off, you're going to be able to do anything you want. So you have to set those, that standard in their mind of the work ethic, right? And I, my kids are 12 and 14 in the summer. Like I bring them to the office all the time. They, they, I get them to work. I get them to put stuff away. I'll tell you about my other business, but I get them to put stuff away. I get them to, my daughter does paperwork. They do print. They, I get them to work. I get them to work a couple hours every week. And, and it's more just building the work ethic. And it's also just hanging out with dad which is pretty special yeah, too, right? You know, so, I, I want to go back to the point you made so we don't miss it, but that 80% yeah. of FaceTime because because that's the kind of, I, I'm I'm conscious of that all the time, particularly as you yeah. kind of look at photos and you look at memories of things changing. So yeah, I think, you know, just before we move on to a bit more about you and, and kind of your story and all those things, I think we should just say to everyone listening that, you know, the, the why behind what you do is much more important than than kind of what you do in many cases. They are both important. I don't want to diminish it, but realize yeah. that if you're working yourself into the ground, growing and scaling a business, which is what my podcast is all about, remember that you're doing it for the right reasons and you're being intentional with with all those important things that matter. Yeah, it's all about building. It's all about building the memories, right? Yeah. Building the memories are so, so important. So let's get into you, Jeff. So we've gone straight into family because that was the kind of opening line. <laughs> but yeah, you're an entrepreneur. You've been doing this stuff for years and you've got a very successful podcast as we were just talking about. So so let's uh, get the audience to know a little bit more about you. I've I've always been an entrepreneur. And a lot of people, that it's that, that million dollar question, are, are you born an entrepreneur? Or are you not born an entrepreneur? And we go back and forth and I always, and, 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 and I have deep conversations with people, but I do believe you can't teach work ethic and I can't push or teach somebody how to drive themselves. And since a young age, like at 17, I started my own, my first company at 17. And it was just, I found a need and I started it. It was, it was called strictly security services. I'll give you a little rundown how it all came about. Yeah, I was in high do. school and a couple of my buddies worked at a little clothes shops at a close mall, a small mall had about 25 shops in the mall. And after school, we'd always go hang out in the mall because our buddies would work. We'd hang out at the food court. And I ended up talking to a couple of the store managers and the store managers would always say, Hey, after school, we're getting, we're getting kids are coming in. They're stealing. There's a lot of theft going on. I said, listen, there's gotta be a way to stop this. So I, I put a little plan together. I went to my dad. I got a $250 loan from my father. I bought four jackets. that said the word security on the back. I got four walkies. And I went back to buy some business cards, registered a business for 60 bucks, called security <laughs> services, went back to him and says, listen, let's do something called loss prevention. I'll put a security guard at the front. Somebody's going to come in and steal a, a teenager. They're going to probably end up going to another store because they have something at the front. It's more of a preventional thing. And they loved it. And I ended up having at one time two stores and went to four stores, six stores. I ended up hiring all my buddies at high school. So from three to seven o'clock every night. I would have one of my buddies stand in front of one of the stores with a walkie, with a jacket, doing nothing. 
And back then I was charging the shops 13, I think it was 13, 15 an hour. And I was paying my buddies minimum wage back then was like five, 15 an hour. This is going, I'm 43. This wow. is going on. Oh, that's a good, this you're is making going, a decent margin here. That was a big, <laughs> a great margin back then. And I did that for about a year and a half. And only issue is my buddies kept calling in sick. And then I was taking a shift and my parents were always like, oh my God, you got to focus on your school. And then I ended up selling the company. The company I actually, the gentleman I sold it to, till this day still runs the company. So that was my first that's taste your first of kind of being startup in, to scale up then. I mean, that's amazing. That, how many um, how many employees did you have? Six. Or? We had six employees. Wow. Six employees. And it was not even it was it was it was like paying them under the table, it was paying them cash. It was just it was just a crazy little thing, right? I had a I didn't even have a business account, I had a personal account and and it was just it was my first taste of just working on my own and once i got that little taste, it just started when at 19 years old I started a consulting. I was always into fitness. I, I took fitness through college. I became a fitness leadership program. And and right through the whole process, I started a company called Millennium Bodies, which is a consulting fitness personal training business yep. where at one point we had seven trainers that would do in-house training with clients. So I would go in, get the deal, get a, get a package of 10, 15, 20 personal training sessions, hire a trainer. They would go train the customer in the house. But the big thing is I do consulting for gyms. So I would teach a, a back-end sales system. So a lot of the big box gyms back then didn't really focus on personal training. So what, what, just so give what, us an idea of timing. What, what year was this approximately? I was 19 years old, so I'm 43. So you're looking at 24 years ago? Let me just give you a quick segue here. So my first business when I was 18 yeah. was a personal training business. Oh, in the 1990s, go. and that's like you know personal yeah, training these days. So I just I just want to kind of give you that connection point. So and I'm 46, so we're not far yeah. off when this is going no, on. This is no, fascinating. No, no. So what I did was I I went to these big box gyms, and I said, listen, like your your front end, which is your PAP, your pre authorized payments, was everybody was trying to focus on back then membership base. Mm-hmm. I go, it's great, but once the members in the gym, what do you get out of them? And, and personal training was, it was popular, but it wasn't in a big boss gym. So I was one of these big boss gyms and I created backend systems where they would come in, they would have to pay, they would do, they would pay or get a free assessment. That assessment would turn around. We try to sell them personal training, put them through a little assessment. We'd have a closer and we ran them through this whole program. And, the, and, and most of these big boss gyms ended up making more money on the back end than they would at the front end. Yeah. So that was the little system I did. And, and through the process, I met a gentleman named Steve, which was, a sales guru back then. And it was crazy as as at 43, I'm actually in school right now, just finishing my NLP, my uh, neuro linguistic programming and things I'm learning now was things I he taught me at 19, which is commonality, rapport, sales stuff that I language and and stuff that I had learned at 19 years old as a salesman. And, and it got to the point where I was teaching sales to 1500, 2000 people in the room at 19, 20 years old, because of Steve and and now at 43, I'm relearning these things, which is pretty amazing. Which I think sales is such a some of those a great some of those tactic. principles are, are somewhat I, I call them timeless as well. I was um, there's two two things just again points on that. So one of my favorite yeah. books of all time is a book by Robert Cialdini. It's called The um, Influence and Persuasion, and he talks uh, yeah. about um, things like the universal law of reciprocity, uh, social proof, um, yeah. all those sort of things. And actually, when you think about those, that they are they are kind of principles that underpin NLP as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And then, as I was saying before we press record, I was interviewing Jay Abraham last night, and he has a similar thing. He's he's written a book twenty years ago, and the principles in that book are still relevant today. He's got this thing called the strategy of preeminence, and what that's about is kind of what we would call what we're doing. You know, having personal brands and and building, you know, um, trust. You know, knowing, liking those sort of things. But these yeah. are kind of almost universal pieces 
that it's yeah. fascinating you said you learned that at an early age because i bet even now as you're going through your nlp i bet some of those principles haven't changed that much at all at all yeah, i would go. say about 60 70 percent of them are, are, are that's why i would say it was it was it was almost surprising that i'm going through this course now and a lot of i mean with nlp i'm not gonna be honest there's 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 a lot of factors in it that i'm not gonna be able to utilize in my future businesses but there's a lot of stuff i'm taking out of it and the stuff i'm taking out of it a big chunk of it was stuff I, like i said i learned at 19 years old by this sales guru that probably didn't even know anything about nlp he just he just built this great sales program and taught it, right? So, it's 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 pretty amazing. Like you said the, the the longevity of these things are in, in, they're timeless. So you've just talked about two um, effectively service businesses. Yeah. Has your whole career been mainly focused in that area, or what other kind of no. entrepreneurial pursuits have you had? So I've I've God I've I've had it. Oh, I guess you call services too. I've had a couple of gyms. I've built, branded, sold. Um, I've had um, a charity event business where we would do galas, charity events, all of that as well. But my main company that I still run till today is called Kamora Wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was reading about started that. that. So there's something to do in the boxing the... area and stuff like that. Is that right? Or Yeah, I started the company and um, I've been involved in martial arts my whole life as a participant. And in 2006, January, I launched, I, I started the company in 2005, um, building it, building my networking, building my factories. And in 2006, January 20th, we launched the company. And it's been this January will be 15 years we've been in business, and I we design, manufacture boxing martial art equipment. Great. And oh, wow. what was uh, your discipline, by it. the way? Or have you done a whole heap of martial arts? I've done a whole bunch. I've done boxing. I've done BJJ. I've done I've done Muay Thai. I've done everything. So, and it's nothing where I'm a professional. I just I, I just enjoy it, and I train it more of a more of a, a discipline to myself, and also more of just fitness level as well, right? Yeah. No, I did Taekwondo for 12 years. That's why I ask. And um, I had a really bad injury through that um which stopped me competing in fact it was in my black belt exam that i, I effectively broke my leg um oh, seriously yeah yeah i, I um it, it was a, a fracture where I, I i literally tore the hamstring in a certain way i won't make it too graphic for listeners but um but yeah that was like career-ending injury and then i started doing some others but i agree with you the discipline of martial arts and things like that uh it's powerful but anyway so go in so this business 15 years it's been running 15 years been running and it's and it's uh, I've pivoted so many times and I think that's a lesson to be learned there is is how I've kept this business flowing and going is is how I've been able to pivot and be ahead of the market because it's such a competitive market such a small market but such a competitive market so I've always been able to pivot the company the company started off as an apparel company we had we had sponsorships with 26 UFC fighters and then from there I realized that industry was slowing down when it came to the apparel and I switched over to equipment from equipment we became a complete wholesale directly to gyms and from gyms now we've we've pivoted again even though we do still our wholesale we pivoted to customization so we fully mm, okay. outfit gyms from start to end so, so effectively like a white label pivoted. so you're taking like what their branding oh or? we 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 do that as well okay. we do that as well that's another part of it we do a license we have quite a few licensing agreements with uh, franchises as well Okay, great. So you and you're getting the equipment made offshore, I take it. Offshore, everything's offshore. Yeah, yeah, yeah got it. Yeah, okay, course, wow, yeah. fantastic. So, so how many businesses are you involved in now? I mean, maybe maybe not so much from a mentoring or coaching or the investment perspective. You know, we talked a little bit about having equity in some businesses, but ones that you've started or you're running operationally. Or so you- I have a company called True Blue Homes, and that company um, came started more of a need uh, in two thousand and. Eight. Uh, my son was born, and uh, we'll go into that a little, little bit. It's a pretty part of important part of the story. But in 2008, my son was born, and I realized I needed more passive income to spend a lot more time at home with him. 
and um, and and I've always had interest in real estate. I never really invested into real estate. And at that point, that's when I actually started investing into real estate. And and I and I focused my my portfolio on vacation rentals. Okay, got it. So I built um, a little portfolio of vacation rentals in the northern part of uh, Ontario, Canada, which is gorgeous. Spart is a key ski resort, four season resort. So I got four properties up there. I'm in the process right now of a place called Muskoka. We're building a 16 acre and acre, uh, acre cabin resort as well. So vacation rentals have been a big part of it, and and the vacation industry is massive, especially right now where with the crisis, people are not traveling, everybody's staying local. It's, it's, it's become a great passive income as well. Right. And allowing me to have a lot more free time with my family as well. Okay. So that's two plus, um, obviously the, uh, the fitness, I'm going to make sure I get the name right. Uh, Kimura Kimura Wear. So you've yeah. got, so is that three that you have that you are sort of more directly involved in? Yeah. Yeah. So it's currently, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of other stuff I'm, I'm, like I said, indirectly involved in, but uh, those are the main ones we're involved in right now. Okay. Well, let's go back to the story about your son. So you mentioned that before. Yeah. So in, in 2008, um, life was wonderful. My daughter was just under two years old and my wife was pregnant and everything was just perfect. And um, lifetime sometimes throws you these curveballs, that you're unexpected. And uh, she was she was not feeling well. She was brought in for emergency C-section. My son was born. We almost lost him at birth. Um, there's a, a crazy story to go with that. But we almost lost him at birth. He ended up spending his first four months of his life at Sick Kids Hospital, which, thank the Lord, like we have a fantastic hospital in, in Toronto, Canada, one of the best children's hospitals in the world. And he spent the first four months of his life at this hospital in the fourth floor of ICU, which is the most intense spot of the hospital. Um, through the process, we almost lost him five, six times. And I was, me and my wife for those four months, we shut off the world. That was my main purpose. For four months, nothing else mattered. Uh, house line was shut off, our, our, our answering services, everything. Business, I shut everything down for four months, Nick. And it was that was my purpose to get him home. And I stayed by his bedside for 10, seven to 10 hours every day, seven days a week. And that was my purpose. And I did everything I possibly could. Um, he had seven organs that were not functioning properly and so he had seven departments that were following him so every morning they would have a round table and they would have one one doctor from every department would meet and they would strategize the day and what they was going to proceed with huge part of that i was sitting in that in there every single day with going through everything and he was my purpose to get home so when we got him home um, before they discharged him, he was four and a half pounds. They wanted him in to be five pounds. And I said, at that point, I, 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 my wife and I were ready to bring him home and they, they thought we weren't able to take care of him. So I, I requested that we get a separate room. We could prove to the doctors for four or five days that we could take him home. We were in, my wife and I were in this room with him for four or five days. We fed him, took care of him. We proved to them we could take him home. I had done a lot of research. I was aware of what the doctors were going to diagnose with him. So when it was discharge time, they gave me a hand of the papers. They had to diagnose him to discharge him. And they were going to diagnose him with CP, cerebral palsy. Knowing that I had done my research with cerebral palsy, once you're labeled with cerebral palsy, driver's license, um, uh, future, if you want to be a police officer, you want to be an army. These are all things that are going to be affected by this diagnosis. So... At that point, I, I remember so clear that day, I actually grabbed the papers, I, I ripped them up and I said, you're not going to diagnose the future of my son. And I grabbed my son and we just went home. And, wow. and that's when the journey, and that's when the, and that's when honestly the journey started. And I got stories that would make you shed tears, but that's when the journey started where um, 
I was going to, my mind was, he was not going to be stuck to a wheelchair his whole life. And I was going to get him to walk. And, and the next year and a half was, that was my focus. And it was actually my mom. It was a crazy story. It was my mom actually found these little cowboy boots, stiff little cowboy boots at a used store. And she says, you know what? Maybe try these on him because they're heavy, they're strong. Maybe they'll force him to lift his legs up. So I put on these cowboy boots and we used to spend hours and hours a day walking back and forth. The rec center by my house, I just take him to this rec center and on my hands and knees, I would walk. People thought I was crazy. Walk back and forth for hours a day till I got him to start moving and walking. From there, he went on AFOs, which is braces. They said he would have braces till the day he was 18, just before his 12th birthday he was out of his braces and he's getting ready to run his first uh, 5k marathon and if you go see the videos of this kid uh, my son doesn't play video games he's a workout fanatic this kid has the most driven hard nosed kid you'll ever meet and he's just so focused and he's at such a young age he realized how important fitness was to him which is incredible at that age to realize that and he is focused for he works out four to five times a week. He's my workout partner. We actually work out together. I put, I post videos all the time. And, and like I said, he's, he's now running 45, 50 minutes on the treadmill. Incredible story. And, and, and wow. he's my I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've had some powerful stories on this show, but that, that one's amazing. Thank you very much for sharing. And I'm sure, yeah. I know you scooted around it and you know, there's, yeah. there's so many different things, just, just the, some of the words you said around the hours that you spent and the focus, the dedication uh it's, it's, it's massive it's, it's it's you don't even question it, right as a parent i mean you just and that's i'm gonna give you a little rundown to the hospital and there's one thing that happened out of the hospital in his in his in his room in the in the, in the icu there were six beds and those beds would rotate because every few days a baby would pass away in, in those rooms there were, and 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 it was constantly but me and my wife would sit every day by my son's bed he didn't know we were there Oh, I'm, I'm assuming he didn't know we were there, but we would sit there every day and I would say the other five beds, you wouldn't see parents ever. And one day I looked at the nurse and I go, and I looked at the nurse and I said to her, I go, where are all the parents? And she's, and this is exact words, Nick, and this is honest truth. She looked at me, she goes, a lot of parents know their children are not going to make it and they don't want to build that connection with their children. And they would Whoa. only come visit them on weekends. And I was, and she looked at me, she goes, your kid's going to make it out of here. I swear I would have started crying right now. She goes, your kid's going to make it out of here because you're here and you're showing them love. And, 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 and it's, and it's been that, that mindset ever since where it's just, I, I being present. And that was why, like I said, uh, we went before we went on air. I built something called the three to seven system where I'm home for the last 12 years for dinner every single night. And you can ask my wife, you can ask anybody who truly knows me. I never miss dinner. I think dinner, being home with your family, being present is such an important thing as a parent. And, and I've dedicated my schedule, my time around my family schedule. And it's allowed, I'm still furnishing. I'm still doing amazing as an, as an entrepreneur, because I found the balance. I've learned how to do that. And I, and I sacrificed myself. I'm up at 4.30 every morning. And I realized I had to be up at 4.30 every morning to be successful with my business because those three hours in the morning, by the time 9 a.m. comes around, I've, I've pretty much completed more than most people have done their whole day by then. And that allows me to be home before three o'clock and be present for my kids. And pick, I still pick up my kids from school. We talked about this. When I'm not, I still drive my kids to school. So it's it's being a present father is so important. And, and that's almost a passion of mine now is, is to help fathers that are entrepreneurs build a connection and learn how to balance their lives, right? Well, you've got, you know, again, thanks for the story and and, and yeah. the additional context. I find it hard to comprehend. 
I understand what you said. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I haven't experienced that. So I'm not trying yeah. to trying to even put myself in the shoes. But the point you said around the connection, parents, and I, I understand that they maybe don't want to get attached because they've given up hope at that point. But but yeah. I, I I'm I I know I'm then I I know what I'd be doing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's hard it's, to it's, it's hard so i'm just i'm just trying to process what you said it, it was hard for me to process right it was it was hard to see and and it was hard to understand and then when you would odd times see the parent there um parents everybody was going through their own issues at that point when you when you're in that situation where parents wouldn't talk you would just walk by each other by the hospital in the hallways lift your head up smile at each other or acknowledge each other but a lot of parents are not they're not they they, they, they that fear of that bond i guess of connecting with a child and and and, and feeling they're losing something I, I i can't explain it myself i wouldn't i i, I couldn't comprehend it but it was it was it was it was true this is what was happening around us right so you know that it was it was a small but um important thing i noticed in your intro <laughs> yeah people say i'm quite intuitive more often than not and it was just that just jumped out to me and i yeah, i can see how people may skirt over it i know that you have a, a bigger sort of mission behind this sort of stuff but yeah. but one thing i just want to go into before we we kind of talk a little bit more about the entrepreneurship side is is emotional resilience you know and what you've learned through that period of time not just the hospital but the period of time obviously even up until now because it sounds like it's still going on yeah just tell me, talk a little bit about that and how that's changed you, the, the, the benefits you've then got from that. Because, you know, this idea, I mean, what I want to call this episode is, is about how you properly set your standards. Because, you know, you have absolutely got priorities in an order, which I think people would massively aspire to. Yeah. Um, so go through your question again. I apologize. Emotional resilience. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, there's two parts to the question, right? I mean, I'm probably yeah. not articulating it very well, but there's the point where you had to show up or you did show up um, in the hospital. Yes. And then there's obviously everything that you've done since then. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of how you've managed your emotional state through that, which is, must be something that's just an important character and quality of yours. You, you, you have to be positive. I mean, life is, life is very sh life is short. I know people say we live a long life. Life is very short and, and you have to, be present and live in the moment and appreciate every moment you have. And I had that mindset even in the hospital and we had it. And I had this discussion with my wife many times where if we only had three months with my son, I wanted to be there with him every moment. I wanted to appreciate them, learn them, see him, touch him and, and, and understand the importance of fatherhood. Like my son is, is even though, I've been present and I've, and I've been a, a huge contributor to where he is physically. The lessons he's taught me is invaluable. And I'm going to tell you this, like my son's done blood work, maybe 14, 1500 times in his life in his 12 years. And I used to be scared to do blood work. This is just a little example. Now, every time I do blood work, the first thing that comes to my head is like, if Tiago isn't scared, why would I be scared? Mm -hmm. Or I see him working out and, and he's doing, he's, he's got to do 15 reps and at 12, he's dead tired and he's in question. He does 15, he'll do 16 just to, to prove to something to me. It's just that resilience. You can't teach that. And I've learned every time I do something, I'm going to be honest. I look at my son and I think of my son. I'm like, if he could do it, I could do it. Wow. And I've learned to be a stronger man and, and a stronger father because of everything he's been through. 
Wow. And and through that all, it's built this 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 connection where this 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 kid is the sweetest, most gentle. Like my son will not go to bed or wake up in the morning. First thing in the morning, last thing he does to bed, he's got to come over and give me a hug and a kiss. And I and I and I and I tingle because I just it's just he's such a sweet individual. He's such, he's got this heart of gold. And my purpose as a father is there's so many other stories that things he's accomplished that that we could we could talk for a five, six hour podcast on my son alone. And my goal with him is I believe he's got a story to tell. And I want to stand by him on a stage when he's 20 years old and let him tell the story. That's my goal with him right now. And that's where, that's my, be honest, that's probably my, my biggest purpose right now is be able to get him to that level where he's accomplished so much physically that he could get to that level where he could say, Hey, I've done this, I've done this. And, and it's, and, it, and it's, and it's going to inspire millions of people around the world. Has he been on your writing. podcast yet? No, no, he hasn't been on my podcast. Well, my my nine year old's going it. on. I mean, she, well, she's she's already penciled in for the hundred and fiftieth episode. <laughs> I love that, uh, and and you know it's going to be great. And, and you know, she's like, "What what what are you going to ask me, Dad?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, you know, we're going to talk about you know what do you want to be when you grow up? We're going to because you know the, the the reason I want to do it partly is slightly different to your your situation because I agree with you. You know what your son's been through. And I've got a question around that yeah. specifically, but but yeah. I think sometimes we forget the important questions. Um, and sometimes I think that the, it's not really about what she says. It's the question that she's asking, or I'm asking her that, that people will then ask themselves. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and I believe everything as a family we've been through has built my daughter mindset and, and, and it's taught her like one thing I do as a, as a, as a parent is there's a lot of lessons that I try to from day one, I've tried to instill in my children. And um, there's, for example, not to be fearful of anything. And once a month, we pick a challenge. We've been doing this for years now. We pick a challenge as something they're scared at, and we do it. Whether it, it could be anything, climbing hills, jumping off, and we do it as a family. And and why I do this is because I believe as we get older, as adults, fear is the biggest component that stops people from achieving anything great in this world, whether it's fear of fear of what their spouse is going to say, fear of what their friends are going to say, fear of the, what their boss will say if they have come up with an eye. It's always fear is, 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 is handicapping people from stopping them from achieving their main success. So, and I believe fear is something that you're not born with. Some fear is something you're taught and you start as a young age where parents are like, Tommy, don't touch the stove. You're going to bring your hand. Don't run down the stairs. You're going to fall. And you're constantly hearing these things of don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And they become, as you get older, they become engraved in you and become part of you. Mm. So as a kid, both, all, both my kids from day one, I'll give you an example. My daughter came to me. She's in, she just started high school, grade nine. In grade seven, she came to me. She's like, dad, I really want to enter this, this, um, this speech competition but I'm, I'm terrified. I've never done before. I got to do a presentation in front of my class. If I win my class, I get to go do it in front of the school. And I looked at her and I go, what, what are you scared of? And she goes, Oh, I don't want, I don't want people to make fun of me. And I said, listen, we're going to, we're going to make this happen. And I said, let's write your speech out. I'm going to read it. I'm going to help you edit it. And I go, you're going to next week and a half in front of your mom and I, every night, I want you to, to do your speech two, three times. And then we set up these stuffed animals and we did this whole audience and we did this every night. Well, she went on to do the speech in front of her class. She got she she got the courage to do it. She did it. She finished first. She did it in front of her school. She finished first. She ended up doing it in front of the, the uh, board area. She finished first and she went to the province out of 1,750 kids. And I have it recorded as one of my posts. 
um, she finished fifth. Oof. And 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 it was crazy as when now this kid will do public speaking like nothing. She stands in front of everybody. That confidence she'd built from that one moment and it's just breaking that fear. Right. So these are all things as parents, we have to break children's fears and make them understand that they have to take opportunity, not be scared of taking opportunity. If we could build this as parents from a young age, they're going to be so much more successful as adults. Yeah, no, I, I believe that too. And the, the programming you get is an interesting thing, isn't it? I <laughs> will talk about this when I come on your podcast. You know, my yeah. I, I followed a path that was effectively someone else's path for a long time, partly driven by fear, you know. Partly, I say yeah. a lot of it is underpinned by fear, but there are other things that happen, but we'll get into it. Qu- question I've got for you, as, as you've yeah. told that story, it's amazing. What was Jeff the entrepreneur like before the incident with your son and obviously everything that's happened since? And what is Jeff the entrepreneur like now? I was, I was always driven, hardworking. I don't think that's, that's changed. I'm, I'm, I, when I do anything, the way I was then and the way I am now, when I do anything, I do it to win. And I'll go into a little example of that, but I do everything to be the best at everything I can. And that hasn't changed, but my, my, my focus around family has changed because I was working the crazy hours. I was, um, I wasn't as present for my daughter the first year and a half of her, her, her life as I should have been. I was very focused on building, 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 building. I would start, I would be up super early. I was, I would be late in the office sometimes till 11, 12 at night in the office. And it was, it was, and I was, I was, be honest, I was losing, I was becoming a, a very disconnected even with my wife. And um, when this all happened for those four months, I'll be honest, like I was around my, me and my wife were together from seven, seven, six thirty in the morning, we dropped my daughter off at daycare. We'd head down to the hospital. We'd be at the hospital till five, six at night. We'd come back, pick up my daughter, come home, have dinner. And when I got home, I wouldn't talk to my wife. And for those four months, I would be on the computer researching everything I could about my son. Everything the doctor said that day, I would spend two, three hours researching it. And then I would grab my dog. And I would just take off for an hour or two and just go for a hike or go for a walk and just clear my head. And I would get home, go to bed, back up in the morning and start. And that was my life for four months. I didn't talk to nobody. And it was, and, and because I was at the hospital with my wife so many hours a day, we barely talked, even there, even though we were present together, we barely talked. And for four months, uh, we, we really grew apart. Even though we were together, we we're both battling something, but as a couple, we had grown apart. And, and when I got home, it was it was an eye opener where it's like I realized at that moment for my son to have a chance, I had to be present and 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 the only way he would be able to grow and build, he needed both parents present. And if we were to separate, that would destroy everything. Yeah. And 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 that kind of gave me a refocus of my my relationship with my wife and, and we rekindled our marriage and 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 like I said, we weren't on a port of divorce, but we were we were very disconnected. And, and we started connecting again and we started, we both agreed our main focus was my son and, and my daughter and, and everything just started working together. And that's when I started the three to seven, started coming home for dinner every night and everything changed at that moment. And your businesses over this period of time, I mean, obviously besides the fact of, of, you know, slowing down for a while on the business side because of the importance of your family. Yeah. Now that you've got this, well, I'm going to call it, keep calling it a, a really a standard around this and intention to be present yeah. when it matters. Yeah. How have your businesses performed? They're, they've thrived. They've thrived. I know 
two, for example, 2020, I know it's been a difficult year for a lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs, but all my businesses have strived. And, and it's because I'm present, but I'm also my work ethic. I can't put enough to work ethic. You have to have a certain work ethic and, and, and this drive. And I think that is, this is, I'm going to go full circle here. This is something I want to talk to you about prior as well is I think we live in an age of, of mediocrity is okay. Um, entitlement is okay. And, and I think a lot of children become young adults and they have that entitlement feeling. They have that, that mediocrity is I'll get mm-hmm. through life feeling is okay. And a lot of that's taught by their parents. And I see that a lot of my staff, I hire young individuals here and, and they feel like I owe them, even though they're working for me. And I get this all the time. And, and I think that becomes very present from a young age when you give example, uh, 15 kids enter a track and field tournament at school and every, all 15 of them get a participation ribbon which I think is the biggest bull crap you could possibly do. Cause you're, you're building from a young age that being okay <laughs> is okay. And it's not, I know, I'm, I'm, we with, live I'm in a with world. You on this. I, I, yeah. I can't stand the fact that, cause I, cause I, I had this conversation with, with Arabella, my nine year old all the time. Yeah. You know, saying that, cause, cause you know, she, she's still trying to work stuff out as they are there. She's got different, different competing things that are telling her different things. And she knows a lot of yeah. what I think. And I'm like, you know, it does matter how you show up. It does matter if you try and win. 100%. You know, she said to me one day, this was a couple of years ago in school sports day. She goes, she goes, Oh daddy, I don't want to win. And she's a good runner. She said, I don't want to win because I don't, I, you know, I don't want to make the other children feel bad. And part of me like that, part of me was like, yes, she has 100%. awareness, right. Of what's going on. Yes. But part of me was like, bloody win the race. <laughs> Cause, yeah, Cause in, in life, life isn't kind. I mean, you have to realize the real world isn't kind and you have to have that mentality to win because the minute you put that aside, everything just passes by you. Opportunity passes by you. And that's one thing. There's nothing wrong with being kind. And I think that's a great character. And that's something you should, you should water and allow to grow as much as possible. But at the same time, I'll give you an example of something just happened the other day. Uh, my son plays, like I said, my son does plays baseball. Um, interesting story. Part of it, when he was born, part of his brain was um, part of his brain had died when he was born. And his brain, as a young child, we we did a lot of life there. We did a lot of things to help him reprogram his brain, and it's is rewired itself. And he and he learned how to do everything with his left hand. So he's a left-handed pitcher playing baseball. Okay. And he's a he's a ninety-five pound kid that throws a fifty-four mile an hour left-handed fastball which is insane so my goal with that's another goal with him is i want to get him to 100 throwing by by the time he's 17 18 to be throwing close to 100 miles an hour with his left so that's another goal with it we have with him and so we were at um, a facility near our place and um he was pitching and uh, we had a radar radar gun on him and he was hitting 52 53 54 miles an hour and then these two teenagers came in they didn't play baseball much, but they were just there for fun. And they're like, oh, can we use your, the radar gun? And they're throwing, they're hitting like 37, 38 miles an hour. And they're like, how, oh, how? And they're like, what does your son do? And I'm like, oh, he has 54. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty crazy. And I was almost bragging about him. We get to the car and my son, which is the most competitive kid in the world, he goes, dad, that was wrong what you did. My 12 year old, that was wrong what you did. I'm like, what do you mean, Tiago? And he goes, and he looked at me, he goes, he goes you should never try to make somebody feel less inferior because they're not as good. And I was just like, what that just happened? I didn't even, I drove home the rest of the way speechless. I'm like, this little 12 year old, this amazing, put me it? in my spot. Oh, it's crazy. Crazy. I always, I often crazy. ask the question when, cause there's a, there's a piece where, you know, and again, this is going to sound a little bit sort of ignorant to some extent. There's a piece where they're not aware. 
right? Yeah. And you're pretty sure they're not aware. Stuff's going on around and they're kind of just in their own bubble, which is lovely. And then yeah. there's a point where they're very aware, almost too acutely aware. And I, and I kind of wonder when that happens. Obviously, there isn't like an age for everyone, is it? but there's a point where they're suddenly no. just like scarily. It just clicks in. Yeah, it just clicks in. Clicks in. And I'm going to give you an example too of, of, of teaching children work ethic and, and, and teaching them that you, you want to be the best at everything. And, and if you drive that from a young age, it just becomes part of their fabric. My daughter, um, bless her soul, my daughter has been doing dancing since she was four years old. I'll give you a quick little two-second story. Yeah, so my daughter has been doing dance since she was, four, she was four years old. And she's always wanted to do competitive dance, but we never put her into competitive dance because my focus is, be honest, on my son. And she was, even though we gave her attention, but I always she was, she was so present. She was so aware that the, how much time we had to dedicate my son. So she never really pushed doing competitive dance. So two years ago, she came to me. She says, dad, dad, um, I'm, I'm Tiago is doing really well. I've been doing dance since I was four years old. I would really love to try out for the competitive dance. And I said, Sierra, I go, it's a lot of dedication. I go, it's a lot of time, a lot of money. I go, are you going to be, are you going to be like really, really consistent with it? And she goes, listen, listen, I want to prove it to you guys. And this is my, she was, she's 14. She was 12. She goes, I want to prove it to you guys. She goes, I'll do the part-time team. She goes, there's only two competitions, one recital, and it's twice a week practice. I go, and she goes, if I do well, and if I prove that I could do well, she goes, will you let me try out the next year for the full-time team? I go, let's do it. Of course she does it. She has two competitions, finished platinum, first place in both competitions, <laughs> destroy them. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I go, you could try out the next year. She makes the, she makes a competitive full-time team. She comes to me a couple days later. And she's like that. There is um, a high performance team. She goes, it's, it's through the city. She goes, I'm, I know I'm not going to make it. I just want to go for the experience. It's like 40 bucks to enter. And it's like four or 500 of the top kids in the city. And I said, cool tryouts. And I gave her the money. She tried out. Um, we were waiting. She goes, Oh, they, if, if I made it, she goes, I know I haven't, but if I did, they'll get a phone call in about a week. Less than a week later, I get a phone call. Your daughter's made the high performance team. I'm like, are you kidding me? So now it's gone to seven days a, a week dance. Oh, she was man. that dancer. But I said, and, and I was like, I was so proud that this kid had done that. And I'll give you, there's even a little more to it. I said, listen, I go, let's surprise her. So I go, I go, see, let's go, let's go to Starbucks. Let's go ahead. Let's go have a coffee at Starbucks, Starbucks down the street from us. So we, we walked to Starbucks. And, and I asked the girl to write on the cup. I did a post of it. I read in the cup. You've made the SIP team, the high performance team. So she's drinking her, her, her drink. And, and I go, see, what, what's that in your cup? She looks in her cup and she reads it and she just starts bawling. Oh, wow. And, that's lovely. And, it was that, <laughs> and it's that, that moment. So, but when I'm talking about the drive, so when you're on the high performance team, you got to be on the team for about four years before you get a duet or a solo. This is year two. She got, a, she's on three teams. She's got a duet and a solo in her second year. And this kid is literally working out every day. She, I get home at seven at night. This is my 14-year-old. She's on the treadmill running for an hour. Which 14-year-old does that? Yeah. And, it's, when and you I find think your passion, it's because, you know. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's also that, it's that instilling that drive where it's like everything that I tell my kids to do, I won't tell them to do it if I can't do it myself. And everything I tell them to do, I do it with them. Like me and my daughter, we we climb, we climb, we try, we do mountain climbs. Once a year, we'll find a mountain climb. And our, her name's Sierra, and we always say by her on her 18th birthday, we're going to climb the Sierra Mountain together. So we do a, a bigger hill every year till we get to that stage when she's 18. We're going to go on a trip together and climb the Sierra Mountain together. So I set these these goals with my kids, right? And 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 you find those moments where it's like like everything I've instilled in this kid, like she's getting it. And at 14, she's getting it which is incredible, right? 
What I want to do, because I want to, yeah. I kind of, you know, it's funny, like the, these conversations, the thing I love about these conversations is they kind of just go somewhere. So where we've yeah. gone today, I wasn't really expecting. Uh, and, I, and I'm kind of just going to stay on the thread. Yeah. But what I want to do is I, there's a number of things you've talked around, you know, with some, with some great personal stories and some pretty, pretty amazing kind of lessons. But I want to kind of just ground this for people listening, because there's two okay. things that I, I'm reflecting on here. One is the... A, the passion and the the intention, all the stuff, the focus on your family is is not, it's probably what we all should have, but it's not commonplace in entrepreneurship, not as much as it should be. Yeah. So what are the lessons? You know, if you've got particularly some mothers, some dads who have invested probably too much of their time in their business and they've they've lost maybe a bit of sense of the real purpose, what are the lessons that 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 you can give them that they can then be taking away from this? build memories um the first thing is 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 children a lot of parents will compensate the time loss with with materialistic items with gifts and realistically your kids want love they don't want your presence if you give a child a present and i come home and i say here 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 tiago here's your gift he's not he'll, he'll look at that gift and play with it for a, 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 a couple hours but it's not that it's like it's the idea that you're giving him your your present and you are aware of his accomplishment is what means anything to them. So one is showing children love. So when my children, and I, and I tell parents this all the time, if your child accomplishes something, something special, whether it's a graduation, whether it's a recital, whatever it is, even it could be something small, something they did, got an A on a test, don't buy them something, reward them with time with yourself. So when my children do something special, I don't buy them something. I'll take my daughter. Okay, Sierra, let's, we're going to go do your nails today. We're going to go have lunch with dad today. And we just spend a day together and hang out together. I'll pull her to school for the day and I'll just hang out with her for the day. And those are the memories you're building that 10 years from now, 20 years from when they have their own family, they're like, yeah, I remember dad used to do this to me. And those memories are so special. And I, and I have this all, I, I, I could honestly say this. And I just did a post day of my dad is it has to do with my dad because my dad was a blue collar factory worker Worked two weeks day, two weeks night at Ford Motors for 30 years. For two weeks a month, I wouldn't see my father. And my father back then, working at Ford, you used to get paid really well. You are paid 30-something bucks an hour. On weekends, it would be time and a half. So you could have made a ton of money. But he realized at back then, he was an entrepreneur, but he realized wealth was measured by freedom. So him working his rear off Monday to Friday, always focused on being present on the weekends, and every year he would take four weeks off, take a chunk of four weeks off every summer. And we jump in the car and go on a long road trip. And those road trips are the probably our biggest memories. So I always tell parents is, is showing love because my parents didn't have money. They didn't have a lot of money and it wasn't about presence. It was about being present and being, and showing me love and being there. And those are the memories as a dad. Now I can look back. I'm like, I remember my dad did this, this. I remember every hockey game my dad was at. I remember every baseball game my dad was at. It wasn't what I had. I, I had, it was funny because I was talking to my daughter yesterday. Uh, we had bought her a pair of shoes and they were a little big on her. I'm like, Sierra, these are $150 pair of boots. You're going to have them for two years. I'm not going to buy another pair next year because you're going to outgrow them in a few months. I go, we bought them a little bigger, size bigger. It's okay. I go, when I, and I pulled out out of the closet, I still have a pair of baseball cleats. 
when I was 14. I go, I fit in these till today. I'm a 43-year-old man. At 14, <laughs> my parents couldn't afford cleats. And they said, if we're going to buy you, spend all this money on the cleats and you're going to play baseball, we're going to buy them a little bigger so you don't have to outgrow them. And I still this day, I still have them. And I, and I said, I go, those are lessons you pass on to your kids. It's not about the presence. It's about the time you spend with them and how much love you show with them. And I always tell people is build memories through photos. And I've talked about this and I, and, and, and I'm very strong about this and I'm not talking about photos on your phone. I'm talking about developing photos. I go, we have albums and albums of every trip we do, every moment we do, we take photos and we develop the photos and we put them in albums. And, and it's the most special thing when on a Sunday night, I'll come up to my bedroom or up and I'll see my kids on their bedroom floor going through old albums and laughing together and looking at memories. I go, there's nothing more precious than the texture, the touching, the smell of an old photo. And I think that's a lost art. A lot of parents have stopped doing is developing photos. We live in the age of the cloud and digital and everything's put up there. How many times do you go through your photos of your family on your phone? You never do. No, but but no it's, it's always, and it's always kind of a bit of a chaotic experience when it's like a birthday, as I said, you're looking back. But I think the other thing that it's a really good, interesting point you make, because when it used to be like Polaroids, <laughs> Because I'm that old to talk about it, yeah. you yeah. know, you didn't you didn't take 15 bloody shots or something, <laughs> you know, that one memory no. was is, is there, it's there, it's there, Nick. And I'll give you an example. My 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 kids were um, we were at my parents' house the other day, and my son was talking to my dad, his grandpa, about my dad was in the army, and they were talking. And my grandfather and my dad pulled out a, an old album of old photos when he was in the army and my son was just memorized, just looking through these photos, touching them. And he asked grandpa, he goes, could I have one for my room? And it was just that special moment, that connection where you can't get that. If you didn't, if my dad didn't take those photos back then, that memories, those, I could have sit there and my grandfather, my dad could explain to his grandson, all these stories, but you cannot visualize it the same way of actually looking at a photo. And I think those are so special. Another thing I always tell parents is, Road trips are probably the most special things you could do. I go, there's a huge component to getting in a car and driving for 12 hours. And it's probably the most miserable time you'll have. Kids are crying. Kids are complaining. People are throwing up in the car. But when you finish that road trip, those could be some of the most special moments you've ever had. And you could, and, and there, you build these memories that are going to last a lifetime that your kids are going to talk about for the next 15, 20 years. So road trips, develop photos. And be present as a parent. Be present. Show your kids loves, like not not presence. Yeah, and, and just to go back to where we started speaking earlier about, you know, make time for this. You know, as you said, you know, you get up at four thirty because it's important that you have that time from three to seven. And again, I think I, I'm listening to this, thinking I'm all right, right? I'm pretty good with most of it, but there's some stuff you've said today that I think I need to be a little bit more aware of as well. So, so anyone scheduling, scheduling as an entrepreneur is probably your most important thing. And I look at my schedule and there's a lot of, I, I've, I hear a lot about entrepreneurs have mentioned this of late and it's something I've always done is you look at your schedule and all those white spots on your schedule and David Miller, I heard him say this the other day, and this is something I've been doing for years and years, those white spots, you, those are actually as, as important as the actual schedule. Cause I use those white spots to call up friends. I haven't talked in a while do my business calls, call my mom, be present with people. Um, so you utilize those spots to future forecast businesses, to plan stuff. So schedule, schedule, schedule. I have such a tightness schedule where everything is planned. Usually, be honest, a couple months in advance, everything is pre-planned for me. And, and, and that's the only way I'll be able to achieve anything I'm doing is having everything scheduled and setting your goals. And I always say, 
I, I, I look at goals as, as three stages. I do a three-month, six-month, and one-year plan for my goals. And my three-month goals is the one I focus on, obviously, first, but I set it as a day-to-day schedule, like the domino effect. And I do, if I want to reach this three-month goal, what do I have to do today, tomorrow, every single day for the next three months till I achieve that goal? And if I and if I do everything properly and things happen and everything's flowing straight, I can speed up that goal. So it's always setting goals for yourself and being able to be accountable each day for those goals kind of thing. And I, and I, and I love still writing stuff down, Nick. I, I, I do my do list every morning. I love pen and paper. I just oh, love God. writing you should stuff see down. How many, you should see how many different things I've got around here. I mean, my, my, my planning is exactly the same as yours. I do a Sunday planning. Yeah. I do it. I do. I, I basically never go to sleep before my next day is, is set up how I want it. So I've planned it the 100%. week before I work in yeah. what I call a 90 day cadence. Yeah. Um, and I said slightly differently. I said annual, I set annual goals and then I set three month results and the results are moving towards the longer term goals. But, term goal. yeah, but you know, it's funny. And, and one other reflection, my, I've got a coach who said to me, um, similar to what you just said, he said, the magic happens in the white spaces. A hundred percent. And it's again, it's, a, you, you look at, you know, you, we probably have a very similar uh, perspective when we, when we work with individuals and businesses, you see these diaries <laughs> kind yeah. of just like back-to-back -back meetings and half of them are not focused on any goals or any longer-term ambition no. and no. then back to time for yourself time for your family those things aren't in there so i, I think that that's a we, we should definitely talk about that more when i go on your podcast because i think it's an important yeah. one but I, and I think one thing i'm gonna dive in there is, is you you just said that too and something we haven't talked about is time for yourself mm. yes when i'm talking about time for yourself being present for yourself and also health and fitness for yourself i'm a big advocate of, of fitness and 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 like i said I, my children are very active my wife's very active in the summer we go for long bike rides family hikes but it's it's i i try to work out every day i do something active even for 15 20 minutes if you don't have your health you have nothing so a lot of entrepreneurs will will be focused on their business or even focus on their family but they don't have their health so it's it's like anything. You could have the Ferrari in the in the driveway, but if you're in the hospital bed, nothing matters, right? So it's 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 that mindset of your health. I always put health first because if I'm healthy, I could I'm able to provide and take care of my family. So health first, family second, business third, and if you do it in that order, but you give enough attention to everything, you'll succeed at everything you do. Yeah. Wow. Well, this has been awesome. What a conversation, Jeff. Were you expecting this? I'm, I am I just go with the flow, buddy. I, I, I have no plans when I get into a, a podcast or a conversation with anyone. I just, I just like having conversations. I love meeting like-minded individuals and just and just talking. This is, I think that's the greatest part of a podcast. I don't like podcasts that are preset with certain questions like, what's your favorite book? Or what's, oh, no, 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 I don't no, care no, about no. that. No, I, I can't just, do just, those. <laughs> I just 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 have a conversation and and talk about life and 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 enjoy and being the present, right? So I appreciate your time and I appreciate you having me on and I'm excited to have you on. And I think next week you're on our podcast. Yeah, I think it is. I think I think one of the things there is the art of listening, which is a, a, a little bit like you know a lot of things we forget sometimes the importance of these things. But I I, I like to listen intently to what's being said. So you know we could have yeah. gone anywhere today, right? We could have gone into yeah. lots of different stuff, and that, you know we even started touching on some stuff at the end, which would be fascinating as well. But I, I, we haven't talked a lot on scale up your business about, as I said, you know, the standards that are really important in life and particularly around yeah. family. So that's why I didn't want to deviate today because, <laughs> yeah. you know, we could, you know, you can cram a lot into these conversations, but actually I'd prefer just to stay on one track and go deep into it, which 
as I said, I'm very grateful for you for sharing some of those personal stories because I know that they are going to make a big impact on on the listeners of this show. I hope they do. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Nick. So last question, um, obviously your podcast. So Jeff knows. Jeff knows Inc. Jeff knows Inc. So Jeff knows Inc.com if people want to kind of have a look at that. And where else can people find you, Jeff? I'm more present on Instagram. Um, I I found that my uh, my choice for now. We'll see, but uh, well, that's a good one for the family. Learning, stuff too. Lear- <laughs> learning, learning, learning the branding and, and and trying to be as as real as I possibly can. So uh, you could you could follow me at uh, Jeff Lopes L O P E S on Instagram, or like I said, check out our podcast at Jeff Knows Inc dot com as well that'd be that'd be fantastic yeah and there's some amazing guests on there and i said you've had some great success so congratulations for that so listen jeff thank you for giving up your time today i very much enjoyed this um thanks for coming on the show thank you so much buddy appreciate it have a good day and there you have it another episode of scale up your business thank you very much for listening and if you haven't yet please leave a review on apple Podcasts. it really does help the show become even better and while you're there make sure you hit that subscribe button to help you on your scale up journey now perhaps you're thinking of growing and scaling your business perhaps now is the time if that's you then please check out suyb.global that's where we have all of our programs including the growth accelerator partnership the Maximize Value Partnership, all of our services, and of course, coaching and mentoring. Once again, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Until next time.